today on Real Radio. It's a whisper, so convincing, so seductive. Jack, God doesn't really love you. You're in the fight. Those are the darkest battles because the voice is so convincing. The voice is so subtle. The voice is so powerful. And if you don't go to the Bible and slay it, I'm going to get a hold of you. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The First Epistle of Peter with a message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1. The Apostle Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus who later on became the leader of the early church. His story is ancient, but really no different than what's happening today. We are still in need of a Savior, and Christ followers still need Peter's heartfelt words of compassion and encouragement. It's why the greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever is not meant to be a mystery. It's about our salvation, the salvation that comes from God that has no rival. There is no other way to be saved from sin and death. It's His power alone that rescues you and me. And it's through his grace and infinite love that he offers it to us freely. The Lord wants us to be with him forever. But it's up to us to choose where indeed we will spend eternity. So today on day three of this message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that even the first five books of the Bible are about salvation and redemption. All scripture was inspired by God and his desire to save us is uniquely found in his word. And now in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1, Here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Isaiah didn't write stuff down and rewrite it and then, I don't know, throw that that scroll away and then write, ah, that's, he didn't do that. He spoke and or he wrote originally one time, that's it. And when they spoke, they knew God was upon them. And as they're speaking, they're learning. And as they speak and as they spoke, they would revisit. That's what the word inquire means. Listen, I'll give it to you exactly. The word means to seek out and to bring out or to bring forth again, to make all effort to find out. It means to search and to search again. It means to comb over the evidence looking for clues. If you're in law enforcement or if you're a a pathologist, you know exactly that. I'm inquiring of this body to tell me something as to how they were murdered. Or I'm I'm inquiring this situation of the crime scene to find out how it came about. We need to find a motive. We need to find a weapon. Are you with me? And the Christian is to do the same today. But the prophets of God, they spoke and then they spent their life combing over the evidence of what? Previous prophets like Micah that were before them, like Moses that were before them. And they were trying to put the pieces together to put a understanding to the revelation of God's word. And they just did that constantly. I tell you, you can study this later, but the studies and the books and the material you can read about as to how you got your Bible and how did those Hebrew scholars handle the word of God would impress you immensely. Did you know that every time they came to the name of God in the Bible, now you think of some of the Psalms, that in one verse, his name will be mentioned three times. Did you know they had to take they had to take the pen that they were writing with 
the psalmist, and when they would take the words of the psalmist to make copies, they would write the word of God, they would destroy the pen, they would take a shower, take a bath, put on new clothes, and then write the next line. And until they came to the name of God again, they would destroy the pen, take a shower, put on new clothes, and they would do that because they believed that the name of God was so pure and holy that you were not to be defiled in handling it and that the word of God that was that worthy and accurate. And you know what? You see, well, that's ridiculous. You may think so. I understand that. And I couldn't have done that, nor would I want to have done that. But did you know that when manuscripts were discovered of ancient times, they would compare them from centuries apart and they were dead on perfect. Even up to the point of the most recent discoveries of the Dead Sea Scrolls perfect to the book of Isaiah and to Psalms. And to, are you with me? To the prophets. Your Bible can be trusted. And your Bible is all about salvation. And the prophets scoured the word of God trying to understand it. It's remarkable. It's awesome. What Jesus spoke about in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus said to the Pharisees, who were the students of the Bible, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which do testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me, said Jesus. That's scary, people. You can be a theologian. You can quote Bible uh, left and right, up and down, but if you don't have Christ in you, you're simply an educated person. But according to the Bible, it claims that the very concept in redemption and salvation is uniquely of the Bible. The second thing we see in verse 10 is this. We may only get as far as verse 10 today. The greatest teaching on the Bible prophecy ever is what God has said about salvation this way. His salvation is a knowable. And I love this. Salvation is a knowable. You can know your salvation. Now, friends, listen. Let's just pretend for a moment we're not in in this building because, you know, there's a sense of protocol when you're in a building like this. It's Sunday. You don't normally wear clothes like this on Saturday. Oh, or maybe you do. I don't, I don't wear clothes. Like I wear a t-shirt and flip-flops and, and board shorts or something, okay? So, but here, it's a Sunday. We've come to, wor- we've come to worship God. And, and yes, but can we just forget all about that for a second? Can we think of this for a moment? That if you have not experienced the salvation of God, that should trouble you greatly You should experience his salvation. So what do you mean? Well, first of all, and I don't have the verse. It's not going to be on the screen. It's in the head. First John tells us, these things have been written unto you that you might know that you possess, own, have eternal life. This doesn't mean we do not struggle with doubt. Every human being, part of our nature struggles with doubt, but we don't live in doubt. We struggle with it. And how do we kill it? We pick up the word of God. The Bible's the only thing that fixes doubt. You have a doubt about the deity of Christ? Read John's gospel. You have a, do you have a, a doubt about, will God forgive sinners? Read 1 John. The greatest way to slay doubt is to use the Bible. Like a sword, you can kill it. But some other doubt will raise its head later on in life. Not to panic. You kill it with the Bible. But every Christian, listen, the greatest hallmark of the true believer is the constant battle that the believer is in. I'm not talking about Sacramento. I'm not talking about 
fighting this and fight. I'm talking about the constant battle that you and I deal with as a believer in the hallways and in the rooms of our minds and with our eyes and our ears. Are you with me? Constantly. It's the exact thing that the world throws out there. Those kinds of tactics work. That's why your children are being destroyed by state-sanctioned funded pornography. The enemy knows it works. That's why music gets into the brain and into the head. Music's a powerful thing. Did you know this? This is a side note. We're so messed up with time right now, it doesn't matter. But did you know that Satan was previously known as the angel who? Lucifer. The Bible says that Lucifer was the most beautiful, angelic creation God has ever made. Did you know that? If you read Isaiah 28, and I think Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah chapter 14, read about that. I may have those chapters reversed. It doesn't matter. Look it up. It talks about Lucifer in his pre-fallen condition. You know, you can find out from the Bible what Satan was like before he, was, before he became full of himself. The Bible says he led the entire angelic host in worship to God. The Bible says that out of his side are pipes, like, like some sort of music pipes. The Bible says there that his hands, his hands when he moves his hands, it's, it's the sound of tambourines. He is a worship instrument. And he led the heavenly host in worship to God until the Bible says pride was found in his heart. And on that day, he said, I will be like God. And he uttered the great five I wills. How he will subdue God. He'll be greater than God. He'll install his throne above God's. Any doctrine that says you can become a God is straight from the doctrines of Satan's heart. But to fight that dark world is to know what it is to be a believer. Experiencing salvation means this. It's a constant battle, a battle you never knew before until you became a Christian. But there's a constant reassurance. In fact, can I say this? The greater the battle, and some of them are horrifically ugly, the greatest battles, church, that I've struggled in my life is not things external, It's deep and dark, things of the heart or of the mind. When I get a feeling, it's just a feeling. It's a whisper, so convincing, so seductive. Jack, God doesn't really love you. Oh, he loves everyone else, but not you. Oh, Jack, yeah, preach and teach. Tell them how much God will forgive them. But Jack, has God forgiven you? Have you ever heard such a thing? Raise your hand if you've heard such a thing. Oh my goodness, look around here. You're in the fight. Those are the darkest battles because the voice is so convincing. The voice is so subtle. The voice is so powerful. And if you don't go to the Bible and slay it, it'll it'll get a hold of you. That battle welcomes and reminds me of my salvation. 
Even that dark attack of the enemy is a very, very encouraging thing once you come through the clouds, right? When you're in it, it's like, oh, woe is me. But when God's grace brings you out of it and you break through the clouds and then you remember and the joy, as David said, of your salvation fills your heart again. Then David said, then I will tell sinners your way. It's pretty hard to witness when you feel completely condemned and in a black or dark place. And the enemy, listen, the enemy has lost your soul. Are you a Christian today if the enemy has lost your soul. And he knows it. So what, so what doesn't he leave us alone? If he lost me to the love of God, why doesn't he just leave us alone? Oh, because he's the best devil the world has ever seen and or will ever know. He's a great devil. And that great devil does this. All right, so I lost Jack's soul to that king of love, to that all-loving, gracious God. I've lost Jack's soul to the blood of Christ. So what do I do? I'm going to shut Jack up so that he doesn't share that news with anybody else in the world, and I'm going to go after every other Christian I can find and darken their heart, blind them somehow, sterilize them. Yeah, I lost them to the love of God, but now I'll silence them so that they are not effective in, in getting anyone else to leave my dark kingdom and come to that love of God. Satan's out to silence you. He's out to cause you to be sterile. He doesn't want you to witness to people. He doesn't want you to share the love of God with others. That's why when you and I, we're all in this together, friends, I'm, I'm, I'm exposing myself as I'm exposing you. We're, in, we're together on this. You can love God with all your heart. You can be going to Albertsons to buy a banana for the, for the banana bread. You can be standing there and you're just minding your own business and out of nowhere, God says to you, tell that lady right there that I love her. And when you tell her I love her, tell her that you want to pray for her right there. And I'm, and I'm like this, but God, I'm just here for a banana. <laughs> and, this, and, and it starts. And it goes like this. All right, I will. No, but wait a minute. I, there's, I didn't comb my hair before I left the house. I didn't... <sighs> I didn't even brush my teeth, God. It was just about, was just here for him. The struggle begins. And he's so amazing. He's just going like this. He's just, God's waiting. So Jack, okay, when you get all done vomiting your excuses, I'm still gonna be on my throne. Your hair's still gonna be messed up. You're gonna get in your car and you're gonna drive away. And then you're gonna get all bun because you didn't listen to me. So I'm gonna ask you again. Go tell that lady I love her and then pray for her. And the moment you, listen, resist the world and your flesh and the devil who says, you big dope. Who do you think you are, Billy Graham? <laughs> and he says things like this. Maybe you should call a pastor to have the pastor tell the person. And so I'll say, Lord, maybe I should call the pastor to go tell the person. And then the Lord says, you are the pastor. <laughs> and you go and you tell her, excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry. I mean, this is what I do. Excuse me, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm a Christian. You may not care about that, but I'm telling you, I'm standing over there. I felt God, in, I don't ever say God told me. That's like, they don't get it. This, this like, 
I just say, I felt really strongly that I should come and tell you that God loves you and that I just want to pray for you, ma'am. And never once in 41 years have I ever somebody said, no, 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 don't, don't pray for me. It's, oh, they've always just kind of, they've kind of gone just kind of limp. They just go, okay. <laughs> and you pray. And they've had an encounter. You walk away obedient and you get in your car and your full joy, listen, obedience brings joy. And you realize something, wow, that was kind of like out of this world. And that's exactly where God wants us to live. His salvation's knowable. That drive, that pull, that tug by the things of God and of light and of heaven pull on you. And I encourage you to obey those calls and those longings that are sent to you by God. And then there's the dark pull. This whole issue about pastors and leaders being able to speak in our communities that our state legislature is trying to ban us from speaking. That's the world pulling. And the pastors need to stand up. How can the church ever stand up if they don't see their pastors standing up? They need to stand up, they need to unite, they need to speak up, why? Because the world is, there's two worlds pulling them apart. And this is our hour. I tell you what, being a Christian is a very exciting thing. They searched, verse 10, they searched carefully who prophesied. They searched carefully. The ministers, the prophets, it was amazing because you know what? They spoke only what God had told them to say. They had to speak. Hmm. The third thing under this point is the fact that his salvation is an experience. It's not only a knowable, it's an experience. It says there that who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, church, this is remarkable. Look at the latter end of verse 10. It is amazing. I have a commentary on this uh, First Peter. It's about a 300-year-old book, and this guy was writing on the latter end of verse 10 and fine print. He took seven pages to look at those few words. Look at it carefully in your Bible. Those prophets who prophesied of the grace, the grace, definite article, not a grace, something mysterious, something divine, something the world has never known before, the grace that would come to who? To you. The prophets spoke and they're being influenced by the spirit of God and they're preaching and they're prophesying and they scoured the scriptures trying to figure out the, the magnitude of this grace, the meaning of this word is so big. God is going to apply this to, to people, and not only people. There's something about this. It's not only the grace, as I read the word the prophet might say, that encompasses the life of Noah. The Bible says Noah found what in the sight of God? Grace. The prophet is saying, I, oh my goodness, Noah knew this grace, but I'm prophesying about a people yet in the future who will know the grace of God. And the word transcends Jew and Gentile. It's anyone who will come to God. It's anyone that is willing to receive the grace of God. And the prophets would read it and they were just like mesmerized by this. They couldn't believe it. It's so grand, it's so amazing. They could experience it. We'll have to end with this. We'll have to end here. Listen, grace. 
God's grace. We don't have a clue. We can, we can read about it. We can buy books on it. We can get an A on the test in seminary about it. We don't have a clue. The truth of the matter is, friends, the greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever is salvation. And we need to preach that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him, so said Jesus. You don't apologize for it. You don't cover it up. You preach it, and you declare it, because the truth of the matter is God has sent us his prophets, and they spoke to us to this generation, that what they knew back then was just foggy compared to what you and I have experienced in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Our sin and guilt has been washed away. And in that power we stand, amen? Amen. So let's stand as we pray. Father, we glorify you this morning. We praise you for this awesome, awesome salvation we have in Jesus. Lord God, hallelujah that your grace abounds. And only you, do, only you can do this. Your grace, the God who never compromises, you don't, you don't compromise, you don't have to compromise. In fact, of those things that you cannot do, you cannot sin, the Bible says, you can't lie. And the beautiful thing is, your word says that you esteem your word even higher than your own name. And so, Lord, this morning as a church family, we're about to be infused out into the world like big, plump, happy red blood cells, about ready to be squeezed out of the bag of this sanctuary and into the veins of this culture. And we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would bring hope, love, life, and salvation to all those whom we meet. And may we be faithful about that, Lord until we see you face to face. Lord, receive our praise and our worship in closing. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Here on Real Radio, in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1. We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope that how much the Lord loves you is evident through the words of Peter, and in the inspiring message of hope found in God's prophetic word. The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1, is part of Pastor Jack's series called The First Epistle of Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution, and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. Hey, if you'd like to know more about what God says about salvation and the many prophets and teachers in the Bible, including Peter, who spoke about the grace of God, check out Pastor Jack on YouTube. His YouTube channel is called Real Life with Jack Hibbs. And we want to invite you to join the thousands of subscribers who are taking advantage of the hundreds of videos that can help you through this journey called the Christian life. You know, at this point in our history, we can all use some inspiration. It's hard to be discerning about what's being said on the news and on social media. But Pastor Jack knows that the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth found in Scripture is our strength and our source. You can access those great videos on YouTube or through our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. 
Hey, we've got a special offer for you. The Life and Bible series is now available on an MP3 CD. And for a gift of any amount, you'll get 17 complete audio messages along with Pastor Jack's sermon notes all on one disc. Yeah, you'll get the notes too. Just go to our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org, and take advantage of this great offer on the Life and Bible series. And remember, it's yours for a gift of any amount at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. And if you need to get a hold of us, call us, 877-RR-RADIO. That's 877-777-2346. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.